Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good afternoon, everybody. And welcome to the Nightmare that is Ghost Chronicles International. The Skype's not working again. Radio show brought to you by the missing Van Helsing, whose headset isn't working properly again. And me, the gold standard in ghost hunting. (laughs) Whilst we try to reconnect to New England's very own Van Helsing, you'll just have to put up with me chatting for a while. Because it's uh, it's been a funny old week in the UK. It's been a funny old week on Skype as well. Ronald is typing. I bet he is. Unfortunately, this being a radio show, I could relay his words. But we've just survived Storm Freya here in the UK. So um, that was fun. And if you see, if I do look a little distracted, it's uh, say something. I, well, I've been speaking since the start of the show. Ron is actually asking me to say something. No, Ron. All right. Well, I'll shut up then. <laughs> you couldn't make this up, could you? This is truly a paranormal show. That's why we call it Ghost Chronicles International. The paranormal side, of course, being in New England with Ron's increasingly cranky computer and his increasingly cranky tech. Anyway, in other news, um, here in the, you may have caught up with um, the news here in the UK. We have a new televi- paranormal television series, Help My House is Haunted, I believe it's called, and uh, starring the star of Dead Famous, Chris Moon, and probably one of the most terrifying ghost investigators I've ever had the misfortune to encounter. Um, Britain's very own Zach Bagans in the name of Barry Guy, the man who once claimed that everything with a face is a portal to a demon or can allow a demon in. So presumably clocks, fish, can all be portals to the underworld. Barry, if you're listening, give it up, mate. Give it up. Ron apparently can hear me, which is good, because he can't answer back. Check Skype settings, audio, speaker, and mic drop-down menu. Okay, just the microphone setting. Sorry, I'm being slightly distracted by my co-host who's struggling uh, to get in on the Skype conversation. Meanwhile, I will regale you of some tales of upcoming events here in the UK. Um, If you're listening to the show and you're out in West Wales, you can, of course, come to an... um, and a ghost investigation that's taking place in Pembrokeshire on April the 11th. Uh, that's in about th- uh, four weeks' time. Uh, and at a very new location for the ghost hunting community, one that uh, has, to the best of my knowledge, if ever has been investigated, barely a handful of times um, in uh, Haverford West. It's called Skelton Manor. It's a, a Victorian um, manor. Uh, stately pile 
which is now owned by the local authority. And uh, hosting the event will be Barry John, um, the medium who uh, some of you may remember uh, survived along with myself uh, a spell on Most Haunted. And uh, Barry and I will be joining forces for, a, I think it's almost a unique um, ghost investigation at a very special location uh, to celebrate the anniversary of um, the West Files radio show and also to raise money for uh, a local West Wales charity, um, which takes care of uh, underprivileged children, gives them day trips and events and uh, time away and out of the situation that they, they, they find you, you in. Uh, so that's coming up on April the 11th. Tickets are available, um, and I'll put a link up in the Ghost Chronicles uh, Facebook page uh, during the course of the show. Also coming up on March 23rd, if you are uh, out and about near London or can get to London, you should head down to the SPR, where there's a very special and very unique ghost hunting study day taking place, which is being co-hosted by the Society for Psychical Research and the Ghost Club. Now, the Ghost Club was founded in 1862 and lays claim as being the oldest uh, paranormal interest group in the world, uh, and then founded in 1862, 1882. Testing. Uh, hello. Uh, you have the Society of Psychical Research. Now, these two organizations... Can you hear me? Of course we can hear you. Uh, these two organizations have come together to put on this unique ghost hunting study day um, with a range of exciting and interesting speakers. Well, we could hear you, but you've gone now. Oh, is he still there? Yeah, he just popped in to interrupt me and then disappeared, um, which is taking place in London. Now, the tickets, uh, if you head over to the Society for Psychical Research fe- uh, webpage, which is www.spr.ac.uk, uh, you can purchase your tickets. And uh, also on the day will be uh, a book launch event for the new uh, guidance notes for uh, ghost investigators. And there'll be uh, discounted copies available on the um, on the day at the event. So that's two things to look forward to on the diary. Notwithstanding, of course, that the advanced tickets for uh, Spirit Quest, which is taking place September twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and twenty ninth. Now, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Are now on sale. And if you go to the NE Ghost Project. Uh, webpage, the New England Ghost pro- uh, Project webpage. We can hear you. Stop playing around with your, your microphone, honestly. Um, you can get your advance tickets, save a few dollars. Ah, honestly, uh, while I'm giving you this information, of course, we've got, you can probably hear Ron popping in and out, and he's frantically lolling and messing about with his seconds. Hello, Ron. Earth to Ron. Is he actually... No, he's gone. Uh, well, we'll, we'll soldier on. Testing. Testing. Hello. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay, here we go. Do you want to start again? No, he's gone again. 
This is truly flogging a dead horse tonight, isn't it? Okay. Are we good? <laughs> we are good. I've held the fort successfully for eight minutes. Do you want to take over now? I have actually heard everything, <laughs> everything you've said. Good. We've lost him now. (laughs) This is going to go down as one of the Ghost Chronicles international shows that will not be uh, popular on the podcasts. Unless, of course, you want to see Car Crash Radio or listen to Car Crash Radio. Because we have these technical issues once in a while. Actually, normally there's a bit of a... Normally the West Files suffers from... The West Files, of course, being the show I, I host on a Monday night, and it's done on local radio in West Wales, but primarily concentrates on West Wales, although it is... It is sort of Testing. At, hello! And we have a, a regular Monday night gremlin with a major technical problem. With oh, can you hear me or not? I have no Loud idea. Loud and clear. Okay, freaking good. All right. All right, so I got like five computers on here. I'm trying to find one that works. Well, stay on the one that you're on. I am. This is it. Unfortunately, it has no internet, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so there you go. You've done a good job. You've done an excellent job babbling on. And well, I'd have babbled on much easier if I didn't have to keep checking Skype with you popping in and out. That's what you have a producer for. Why are you bothering? <laughs> um, I, see, that's a, le- that's a legacy of, the, uh, of last night, but I am the producer. Yeah, well, you're not here, so relax. Well, I know I'm not here, but I can chill out now. Anyway, I've, I've promoted the April 11th Ghost Hunt with myself and Barry John, told them about the book launch, Ghost Hunt Study Day, on uh, March 23rd, and mentioned the advance tickets for Spirit Quest. Yes, which are up there, which is pretty cool. What's next? Yeah, well, you know, go on anyway, to Spirit Quest. So how's, how's things with you? What, what's on your uh, calendar? So anyways, uh, going into Spirit Quest, uh, there's a couple of things that I do want to kind of uh, mention, uh, go into a little bit more elaboration. And uh, one of them is the uh, EVP X-File on Saturday night where uh, there will be – you could actually have a workshop to build your own ride-eye – whatever the hell it is – diode – yeah. And use it. Did I translate that into come come to Spirit Quest on the Saturday night, take part in the EVP workshop, and build your own Raudiva diode? Yep. Using yep. the plans that were originally formulated in the 1960s by Constantin Raudiva, the world's one of the world's pioneer EVP researchers. Right. And uh, we're actually going to go into a little bit of the the history of uh, uh, the first uh, X-File, I guess you would say, EVP X-File that we're going to be talking about. And then you out and capture uh, uh, the voices of the dead, as whatever his name would did. Can I just say Jurgensen? Jurgensen is cheesier. No, no, no. You've even said his name wrong. Oh, well, too bad. So anyways, you Listen, can... Uh, uh, let, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Constantin, that's easy. Come on, you're yeah. from Poland. Reach back into your Eastern European roots. Whatever. Ra- anyways. Raudiva. So you go out and you will uh, try to capture uh, the voices of the dead as, yeah. as the, 
uh, Jurgensen did in uh, in uh, Sweden. Yeah, Jurgensen. Friedrich Jurgensen. Yeah, whatever. I'm not Spanish. I don't roll my ass. Uh, well, he was Swedish and he rolled his ass. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, so that's kind of cool. And the other thing I want to talk about, of course, is going to be the psychic detective workshop. Yes, there is. This will be on Sunday. This will be a, a, a two-hour workshop. So this is going to be kind of – you will learn the techniques that detectives supposedly use to uh, help solve crimes if they do. Now, who's hosting this one? We don't, we're not sure yet. We really uh, aren't announcing it yet because uh, we have some heavy stuff in the works. So, um, But we have already announced investigating the X-Files, haven't we? The what? The police, the police hosted one. Two or three of those on, on the agenda, yeah. Yeah, we've got investigating the X-Files. Right. Yeah. Is this another one? Yeah, that, that's that'll show you investigative police uh, techniques. Right. Nothing to, nothing to do with psychic uh, stuff. Right. Okay. Also. Okay. I was just clarifying because even I was getting confused there with them being very uh, similar. Different. It's true. This will be. This will be. Uh, Dylan Jones will be doing that. He's a farmer, a copper, so uh, he will, uh, you know, teach you how to. Uh, do as the coppers did to try to analyze some and collect the uh, uh, X files. So it's, it's kind of it's kind of, it's kind of neat. There's a lot of weird stuff in this uh, this year. It's kind of strange. And the Last Witch, which is 1941, nobody nobody believes that really. It's like 1941. Nobody. So I'm excited, and that's going to be done by some guy named uh, Steve Parsons. So. Uh, it's a two-parter. Uh, oh. All right, then it's a one-parter. <laughs> it could be a two-hour workshop. Fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't expect some poor sods to sit there for two hours. That's inhuman. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about the bathroom break? No, no. Even psychics need to go to the bathroom. They can hold it. Yeah, they, they hold lots of. Yeah, I suppose. Well, I mean, we're, we're teasing <laughs> a lot right now, but you'll see, you'll get to see the whole full thing we'll be yeah. doing at Desperate uh, Quest. It is, ex- it is exciting. Seven twenty eighth, twenty ninth. So it, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. Uh, you're going to learn a lot of stuff. You're going to. It's a lot of hands-on stuff, and it's uh, there's something there for everything. And, and there's some cool X Files that we're going to be talking about too. Uh, you know, uh, so that's kind of cool too. I mean, there's some unique ones that you don't hear too much about, and uh, but they're real cases, and you'll get to go through them and and see how. Uh, they develop from beginning to end. So that's kind of exciting. So I, I'm really, you know, this year is, is going to be really cool. So I'm totally. I, I think I think that, um, yeah, this one is probably um, one of the best. And, and there have been many greats. And Friday night event, which we're not tipping off yet. Uh, it's going to be something unique to X-Fire. I mean, to uh, um, Spirit. Uh, this will be kind of cool uh, on Friday night, so stay will tuned. It be, will for, it be Chinese food? Stay tuned to find out. It's going to be exciting. I wonder, on Friday will it night. be Chinese so, food? Yeah, you'll just have to stay tuned till we 
Because I'm, I'm fed up of dining with the dead, and I've starved to death because it's bloody pizza. Dining with the dead has never, ever served pizza. So there you uh, go. Friday dining with the it's also entitled dining with the dead. No, it isn't it dining with that, the dead. Friday night has never served pizza. It's always been on Saturday night, you clunk ahead. I think you got hit too many times. Yeah. Well, what was it last year? Chicken actually the chicken pot pie was nice. We had chicken pot pie, we we had yeah. bangers and mash before, we've had Chinese food before, we've had Chinese uh, was a particular highlight. Chicken cacciatore, only for a couple of people. Uh, we had a lot of different uh, menus, and uh, so it's something interesting. Uh, we'll be seeing what it's going to with the full details of Friday night's events. Will so this is going to be exciting. It's for you, so that's the good thing. Well, it'll be a revelation to me to discover what's happening on Friday night. Have you gone again? He has. He's gone again. <laughs> no, you're back. Oh, oh, he's gone. Back, gone, gone, back, gone. Are you there? If you can hear my voice. In fact, we might, Jack, yeah, I've got an idea. What we'll do, I want all the listeners, if you, even if you're listening to the podcast, to now join hands. And what we'll do is we'll gather around the, um, the speaker and uh, we'll... We'll see if we can communicate with Ron, with the other side. In my case, the other side of the Atlantic, but the principle is the same thing. It's like EVP. And occasionally you'll hear this crackly voice break through, and we have to try and determine what it is that's being said. Um, although, actually, talking about electronic voice phenomena and uh, just clearing up a few of those names that Ron came up with. Ra- 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 I can't even say them badly. Uh, but Roudiva wasn't actually. A lot of people um, will attribute EVP to Roudiva and uh, the Swede Friedrich Jurgensen. In actual fact, that's a gross uh, error because EVP research predates uh, Jurgensen and Roudiva, who were operating in the late 50s and early 60s, by another at least 50 years. Um, to around the turn of the 20th century, when we started to get the first sort of documents of psychic phenomena that you could actually, I suppose, label as electronic voice phenomena. For example, in the 1920s, during studio radio session with the psychical researcher uh, Harrowood Carrington, uh, one unnamed medium described hearing a disembodied voice asking through the radio receiver, can you hear me? And the voice seemingly coming from a microphone that had been left switched on in a sealed and empty adjacent studio. Um, and no explanation was was uh, found for that particular one. Of course, in 20, 1928, one of the most notable uh, myths of EVP uh, relates to Thomas Edison, who was said to be working on equipment that incorporated some chemicals, uh, possibly potassium permanganate. Um, Wait a minute, chemicals? Yeah, I'm just talking about EVP while you're uh, talking. No, what, I was listening. Chemicals? Oh, chemicals, yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. The, um, the Edison device apparently had um, some form of chemicals in it, um, in one of the components, um, but 
nobody really because obviously there's nothing in reality that survives this is all based on the mythology of the interview that he gave to scientific american in 1921 when he was asked about the possibility of contacting the dead and his reply was that nobody knows whether our personalities pass on to another existence or sphere but it is possible to construct uh, an apparatus which will be so delicate that if there are personalities in another existence or sphere who wish to get in touch with us in this existence, this apparatus will at least give them a better opportunity to express themselves than tilting tables, wraps and Ouija boards and the mediums and the other crude methods that now purport to be the only means of communication. And that was pretty much what Edison, all that Edison said on the subject, but despite a number of claims to the contrary, uh, there is actually almost no evidence that he did that he did actually go on to construct anything. There are, you know, examples of uh, crossovers of between the old uh, spiritualist methods of, you know, dowels and rugs and Ouija boards and electronics. Uh, there have been attempts to combine the two and, uh, what are your thoughts on those, Steve? I mean, I, I've seen, I've got a couple actually. There's a surprise. Uh, really? But well, uh, as, you, as you know, Cal and I worked on a device that uh, was given to the Society for Psychical Research uh, sometime around the. It was built um, sometime around the the sort of mid 1940s, um, which was the uh, I can't remember what we called it now. Um, what we nicknamed it, but we we ended up. It was this piece of equipment. It was it was a big, bulky think think World War Two radio. Think Bakelite. Think wooden cases. Um, um, it was a very unusual looking device. It didn't have any speakers. It didn't have uh, any sort of what you would call radio. Uh, features about it but it obviously was using radio technology and it was what we did know uh, with the accompanying and very short letter that it was built according to uh, the directions of the spirit world by um, uh, the gentleman the builder in order to use it at and during seances as an aid to communication uh, so our task what we what we tried to do was to uh, get it get it working again so check that it was in because this thing hadn't been switched on for decades um so first of all to to hopefully get it working and then to try and kind of reverse engineer what it was doing and try to gain an understanding of of how it might have been used and what it might have been used for and uh how it would function um the Scammell device, uh, after Ernest Scammell. Ernest Scammell was the man who built it. Um, and we... All it ever did was make a series of uh, very high-pitched tones. It, so it was, there, was, there was some sort of tone generator. And what we, what we determined um, after working with it for, for several days... Um, and this yes. wasn't was that in some way it was using the audio as a, a just an audio field. So it was creating an audio field rather than um, 
you know, like a radio receiver. So it wasn't receiving anything. It was just generating an audio field. Now, that audio field would vary uh, with the the components. So the and there were controls on the front that would change the pitch and amplitude and other things within the audio field. And we 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 kind of related it to a ghost box or one of these other devices that where you have this sound field coming from it uh, in the form of radio chatter or, or white noise, and then people hear the voices or people say that the spirit voices use that and then impose their their voices on that sound field. So that was our best determination as to what we thought um, was the only possible way it could be being used. I mean, whether we were correct, we, we won't know unless we, unless Scammell himself came through the device and told us what he was doing with it and what his intentions were. But there's no records of it anywhere. No, no, no. We, we searched high and low. We were, the SPR were given the device and an accompanying letter saying that um, by the donor saying that her father, Ernest Scammell had built the device um, sometime just after World War II uh, for use during seances and that its its construction was dictated by spirit. But beyond that, we had no information. And unfortunately, the, the daughter who uh, donated it had no further information to offer. Uh, we could find no records of which spiritualist group it was There's used. No mention has he done any books or any, any no, notes? No, no, no. No, there were no notes. There was no. We couldn't even locate which, uh, you know, which uh, spiritual group or society he may have belonged to. Um, it, you know, to see if there was notes or archives left somewhere else. But it so often happens, you know, a lot of these archives from that period have just, well, you know, the the, the people have died um, and the families have discarded whatever they may have left behind. True, um, true. And, you know, it's it's lost forever. So we've got the device. The device exists. But, you know, whether our whether our guess as to what it was doing, and I, I say guess, it was it was kind of an educated stab in the dark based upon the device itself. We did have the device and it did. We did get it working again. Um, it was relatively straightforward to connect it up to power and, and fix a few of the dry solder joints that were inside it, uh, it deteriorated down the years. Um, we also, I also used a computer program to simulate because once we knew what each of the components was, uh, whether it was a capacitor um, or a potentiometer, et cetera, et cetera, we, were, we could then simulate that within software so that we were able to um, play, play around with all of the different settings um, to try and we could even sort of play backwards with it as well to try and input stuff to see if the system could make speech or whether it was capable of picking up radio uh, but it wasn't a radio receiver of that we were absolutely certain there was no antenna there was no mechanism for it to receive radio okay. uh, but it was a, a fascinating and intriguing device yeah uh, in fact uh, i've seen a video of it i don't know if you facetimed me or yeah, yeah, me yeah. We've got but, the tunes uh, just on, so we're going to thank them for a minute. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was intriguing, and I, I wanted to know so much more, but I, I guess that's one of those things, uh, unless there's something discovered in the archive, we won't find. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick. Right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, we'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Bear X family. Welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International, the EVP edition. That's me here on Skype and Ron talking to us via the ghost box. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about EVP, which is, which is, as I say, I'm looking forward to the Saturday because it's a fascinating uh, subject, which, as you know, Cal and I wrote about in Paracoustics uh, at quite some length. And one of the things that we were quite keen to, uh, to um, lay to rest was this myth of Jurgensen and Raudiva and the idea that they were, uh, you know, the, the first two, that Jurgensen wandering in the woods, recording the birdies, um, was the first to discover this phenomena. And in actual fact, he was, he was very late to the party. Yeah, uh, but he's from... one of the pioneers, one of them that brought fame to it. And in fact, isn't he the one that uh, named EVPs? Uh, no, that goes to Raudiva. Oh, right, that's right. Um, originally, it was going to be called Electronic Voice Projection. Or something. Um, no, but, Projection. But you, you say he, he uh, Jürgens, Raudiva is actually the, the, the guy who popularized it. Uh, Jürgens right. gets a kind of mention because he was the inspiration for a lot of Raudiva's early work. But they were Jurgensen. Uh, there is this myth that he discovered it accidentally. That he went off into the woods, um, recording birds, and then he heard uh, the the voice of his mother, uh, who was deceased. Now Jurgensen, what 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 most people do, don't seem to, or isn't mentioned very often when you hear the story of Jurgensen and his wander in the in the woods. Jurgensen had claimed that, uh, that, first of all, that he was mediumistic, and that secondly, he went out deliberately to try to capture electronic voices on the recordings. And he, he'd chosen the woodland specifically because he could get this natural white noise background, these natural sounds, um, which is what he believed was conducive to the See, phenomena. That's not the story I heard at all. No, I heard, no. I heard his original EVP was... Uh, when he was yeah. summer, summer vacation, and uh, he 
went to a cottage and was uh-huh. recording a uh, uh, whatever the heck it was, some stupid bird. And what came through was not his mother's voice, but a man speaking in German. And uh, and also the sound of another bird, uh, uh-huh. which a sparrow, I believe. And uh, this was only heard on playback. And that's what got him into Yeah, and this is the problem because often uh, a story circulates and then a website will pick it up and another website will pick it up and another website will pick it up. And there is no mention of some of the other interesting details. The fact that Jurgensen was deliberately trying to capture spirit voices prior. It wasn't an accident. It was a deliberate uh, attempt to uh, try and capture spirit voices on a recorder. Um, that he was, first that he, time or, or other, uh, when he first this was made, done more than once. Yeah, uh, he, his his first um, his attempts were to after he'd made the uh, he had gone deliberately to capture spirit voices. Uh, this was a a a premeditated experiment by or uh, decision by Jurgensen. After he captured a number of voices, he then. Uh, made the public claims. He put the he wrote his stuff down, which interested Raudiva, who was a parapsychologist. Um, and Raudiva thought that there was interest in this. He was already aware of uh, the phenomena because it was it was old news to Raudiva. Raudi because it had been circulating within parapsychology for you know Harrowwood Carrington in the 1920s had documented it uh, only a few years before um in in the early 1950s there was a notable incident involving two uh, uh Roman Catholic priests at the Vatican father Annetti right. and Gemelli uh, uh, who were collaborating on a music research project and uh, during a recording now this is Gemelli actually made a, a um an accidental recording uh, because he, 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 they were having problems with the equipment and Gamelli became exasperated and exclaimed aloud, uh, calling to his, his father um, to, to help him. Uh, Papa, you know, help me, whatever that is in Italian. And the recording played back later. Um, he heard his, his own father's voice saying, of course, I shall help you. I am always with you. So Gamelli and Ametti repeated the experiment, and again they started to pick up Gamelli's voice, calling him as he did as a boy. Uh, they actually went to Pope Pius, uh, Pope Pius XII, uh, because obviously there was some concern uh, about the voices and what that would mean, because these two were respected Catholic priests uh, working at the Vatican. And the Pope uh, replied that that they had no need to worry about it and the existence of the voice is a strictly scientific fact that has nothing to do with spiritism the recorder is totally objective it receives and records sound waves from wherever they come this experiment may perhaps become the cornerstone for a building for scientific studies that will strengthen people's faith in the hereafter so they got the the, the papal blessing um, to go ahead and continue the research and that long you know that predates uh, by six or seven years Jurgensen and Jurgensen was aware of the you know the existent the the previous research also, so you will see on a lot of websites Jurgensen gets uh, the sort of the the prize for being the first 
walking in the woods. Ravdiva, of course, um, gets the accolade because he was the one that classified, uh, named and classified the phenomena. He gave us the, the classifications, class A, class B, and class C, which is much misused today by people. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the rest is history. Um, but it was that people were studying the phenomena for at least 50 years when Jurgensen comes along and makes his experiments. So there we go. So is what I, you, you mentioned the SPR is uh-huh. the SP, is that SPR. Do they have their own official website? Yes, they are. It's www.spr.ac.uk. Or if you just Google Society for Psychical Research. There is only one. They were formed in eight. Yes, it does. You'll get the Society for Psychical Research. You won't if you, uh, you... You don't get it first if you just Google SPR. You get lots of other SPRs. But the website is www.spr.ac.uk. Fine. There we are. Anyways, the the SPR uh, website now it is. Can you become a member of this? And if you do, do you have access to all the? Well, well, the great thing about uh, yes, anybody can join the SPR. Uh, they apply for membership, and um, membership is as with any other society. Uh, there's a fee involved. What that entitles you to is um, the usual things. You get the journal and you get the magazine several times a year. You get the journal, you get the, uh, the different publications uh, which are sent to you at no additional cost. Um, you also get access to a unique resource, which is the SPR's library. And it's a lending library where you borrow books. These are not electronic books. These are real, hot, uh, you know, solid, public published ink on paper books uh, that you can borrow by post or in person uh, like with any other library and then you return it when you after you know after you've had it three or four weeks or you can extend it obviously Um, and if you don't return it you get fined (laughs) and there are some fantastic books in that library Uh, you know there is Almost every subject you can imagine within the paranormal. For instance, is, is uh, Rodive's breakthrough in there? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it sits on a shelf not very far away from a copy of Paracoustics. Uh, also in there are the books, uh, Guy Playfair's book on Enfield and others. You've got all of Harry Price's books are in there. Um, all of the publications from the SPR, all of the journals, all of the... Pretty much any subject that you're wanting to research within the broad spectrum of the paranormal, excluding, uh, including guidance notes for investigators of spontaneous cases. Of course. (laughs) Um, But pretty much any subject, excluding cryptozoology and uh, Fortean phenomena, uh, you will find in the SPR library. And to be honest, you will actually find some Fortean and crypto uh, coverage too, but it's it's minimal. It most relates to uh, psychic phenomena, paranormal phenomena, ghost hauntings, um, and those sort of subjects. But that is a fantastic resource, and it's free with your membership. So if you're a member of the SPR, you can, you know, books that you 
may only have read about, but you want to read, they're there. They're available. You, actually can. you can actually get them sent to you. And uh, I think I think there is a cost for postage, uh, which which is only reasonable. Um, oh, absolutely. But, but in all other respects, uh, that's a huge resource. You've also got um, Lexian, uh, which is a, an online uh, resource, an electronic uh, database of all of, which is growing year on year on year. Uh, the electronic database, which eventually will contain um, all of the archives of the Society for Psychical Research. So you'll have case archives, you'll have research archives, you'll have all of that will be um, increasingly available. And you also have the Science Encyclopedia, which is, uh, there was a problem with, you know, Wikipedia was hijacked um, a few years ago by the skeptical um, gorillas who, <laughs> started to, who started to rewrite history. Uh, in a, in a, or rewrite um, articles that related to things that they didn't agree with, um, and and skew the skew the uh, Wikipedia. So the SPR uh, responded by funding the Science Encyclopedia, which is um, a series of well, go check it out for yourself. Um, the Science Encyclopedia is non-membership specific; anybody can access that. And what's it called? The Science Encyclopedia. Yeah, PSI Encyclopedia. That's there's a link on the SPR's web uh, website for that. And you can, I mean, that's growing. There are more articles being added to that on a on a monthly basis, um, covering a broad and you know full spectrum of paranormal phenomena. Right. Uh, and each each uh, article in the Science Encyclopedia is written by uh, the leading experts in those particular areas of research. So um, it, it's a sort of, uh, uh, what would you call it? The uh, antidote to the uh, sceptical gorillas on Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, so it... all of that comes with your membership. Right. Um, which is a very reasonable, you know, it costs you a lot less to join an awful lot of other groups and organizations. Uh, if you're in the UK, of course, you get to go to the conference, uh, which is held annually. Uh, and, of course, there's all of the discussion groups. There's the talks and lectures that take place uh, throughout the year um, on many, many different topics. So uh, I would always suggest that people should join the SPR. Excellent. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking a little bit about EVP because it's yeah. one of the big events at Spirits, of course, this year. Is, is, uh, but, you know, Edison was pretty much tied up into this. Uh, he did a lot of thinking about it, and there are several uh, magazines. And, in fact, uh, there are several devices that he uh, supposedly invented uh, for paranormal use, and uh, if you go to, I believe it's one of the copies of, and you can uh, see some of those ideas, and, and some of them are fairly uh, in today's world. Well, I think the overlooked genius of the of um, wasn't Edison. I think the overlooked genius is Tesla, and Tesla was by far the more interested of the two. I mean, as Ed Edison. 
yeah, I mean, he realised it was it was a burgeoning area of, of public interest, and if there was a buck to be made, Edison wanted in on it with a patent. Uh, but Tesla, for the longest time, speculated, and probably of the two of them, was the more likely to have developed a machine. And a lot of his papers um, disappeared after his after his uh, death, and have. Uh, they were taken. Um, they were taken away by, uh, it said, government agents, and they've mysteriously disappeared. Um, yeah, but Tes- supposedly. But Tesla was uh, during even during his lifetime. Tesla speculated and experimented around spiritualism, and communication um, with with uh, you know another world, another realm, um, and. I think yeah, of the, I, mean, I think of the two of them. Uh, Edison, if there was a little, yeah, gave I, I, a little, little, little hints of what was on the other side when when he died, basically, according to an article wow. that I wrote, read in nineteen thirty wide, thirty one. He uh, he uh, briefly came out of the coma and said to his wife, keeping vigil at his bedside, and his doctor that it is beautiful over there. So did he see something? Uh, did he see what the afterlife was? Or, or I, what was? I, have, I have no idea. I know that his biographer uh, wrote it quite, quite an extensive chapter or two about uh, Tesla's interest in the spiritual world and in spirit communications. Um, I, I was talking have... Edison, you know. Oh, Edison, sorry. I thought you were talking about Tesla. No, Edison. Uh, you see, I, with me, Edison has always been the contentious one of the two because he was never really an inventor. I he can was, tell that. He was Edison was always always the Steve Jobs. He was the innovator. He saw the 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 potential of an invention and then developed it. I mean, it's true that Apple have never invented anything, but what they've done is they've taken um, an idea and developed. It to its fullest potential and innovated the idea and made sure that they patented it and taken their money from it. And Edison, you know, people cl- say that he invented the light bulb, that he invented the telephone, that he invented this, that, and the other. In actual fact, the reality of it is that he didn't invent them, um, that somebody else did. Um, he patented but, but he patented them and he, he in- innovated them. I mean, that's not taking anything away from Edison and his achievements and, and the greatness of the man. But like we recognize Steve Jobs as a great innovator and a great pioneer, then Edison stands, you know, they stand shoulder to shoulder with one another. But neither were ever inventors. You know, Jobs didn't invent the smartphone. Jobs didn't invent the uh, the computer. What he did is he saw the potential of putting that device into people's pockets and onto people's wrists. And I think why people like Tesla so much, of course, is because he was a little bit of a oddball, to be honest with you. He thought he could could trans, uh, you know, channel people. Yeah. And, could and hear of course, voices from Oz. He thought his best uh, friends were pigeons. Uh, he had so many phobias of walking around buildings enter yeah. and everything else i mean so i mean it, it's difficult to uh you know take him serious quite honestly in some of some of uh, his phobias and, and some of his habits 
Well, I mean, in his latter days, he, he, his closest friends were pigeons, weren't they? And yet this is a man who, who courted the rich and famous in society and would invite them back to his uh, laboratories at night um, and would regale them for hour after hour after hour, uh, showing them his experiments and his inventions. You know, he was quite the social butterfly uh, earlier in his career. He was... You know, he he was friends with and rubbed shoulders with and wined and dined with the rich and famous of society. Um, But towards the end of his days, you know, uh, his best friends were pigeons. So true. Anyways. He is an intriguing... And I think, again, part of the enigma of Tesla is that we we were denied getting to know the man um, and the inventions because... All of, you know, so many of his uh, writings and so many of his um, papers disappeared. You know, they they were they were there and then they were gone. And he didn't throw them away. You know, he didn't burn them on a on a on a big bonfire. Uh, they weren't sort of secretly buried um, before his death by him. After he died, there was a group of people, which a lot of people say were uh, from the government, who came along. Oh, great. Um, and took all this paper. Other people have said that actually this was because he was working for Westinghouse and GE and other companies and that they claimed that they owned the patents and they owned the rights right. to the research and that they actually made a grab for it because obviously there could be potential money making in there. Uh, but somewhere in a dusty archive or a vault somewhere, um, there lies the truth. But I've always believed that Tesla, of the two of them, um, if if I if I was a betting man, um, if one if I was to bet that one of them would have at least attempted to build a machine, then I would have suggested that uh, it would have been Tesla. But all the spiritualists tell us otherwise. I mean, Scammell claimed that um, Edison was one of the communicating spirits that gave him the idea to build the devices. I think that was the same with George Meek uh, with Spir- Spiricom the Spiricom device, inspired by communications with Edison. Uh, you know, Edison has been, I, I think it was also the same with Frank Sumption and the original Frank's box. Uh, you know, so every time that somebody gets a voice from the other side saying, you know, join the red wire to the blue terminal and put the battery in with the polarity, that they've always blamed that, you know, on Edison and said Edison or one of Edison's assistants came through and uh, gave gave me the assistance and the plans. Right. Now, the, the article I was talking about was in October 1933 in Modern Mechanics. The article uh-huh. purports that it was written about a cigarette meeting in 1920 by in Edison's lab where he tried to communicate with the dead, complete with illustrations describing how Edison had set up a uh, projector beam and photoelectric receiver uh, would register anything, uh, including smoke. So basically, it's just a uh, uh, that would come across the path of the being. This group said scientists sat there for hours and nothing happened. Uh, this device is is in common use. Uh, it's throughout. I mean, I remember when studying, uh, getting my degree for environmental science, we discovered uh, studied. Uh, waste treatment, and one of the things they would do would, would burn, and uh, we would have those folk devices on the, the uh, stack 
to measure uh, the density of the smoke uh, for pollution-wise. So it's, uh, you know, it's a common but valid. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and, and a method that's still used by ghost hunters today. Uh, they use light, uh, light cells um, to detect shadow people, or so they claim. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they used that uh, PlayStation or whoever the hell it was. Uh, no, there are still investigators here in the UK who, uh, alongside the SLS camera, you will still find them using uh, what they call shadow detectors, which is basically, it's just a light meter. Um, and then they sort of aim it at things. And, of course, depending on the intensity of the, you know, if a shadow passes by, obviously the intensity drops. Um, so, yeah, they're still very much in use today. Along with laser grids, and which which are just—I mean, the laser grid is only a visual variation of it. Where you're, yeah, in reality, yeah. You know, instead of a photo, a photoelectric cell, you're using your own eyesight to see, or a camera to see if something interrupts all the beams. And you know how accurate that is. Oh, it's incredibly accurate. Um, yeah. Stare at anything long enough, I'm sure it's uh, going to move. Do you know those laser grids? They. I, I don't know how you. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I've I used them. Oh, God, yeah. But yeah. I can't get on with them. I mean, we have a Christmas decoration, which I know you have in America, that's very similar to the laser yeah. grid. It projects thousands of laser right. points. Yeah. We had the laser grids before that. Yeah. But. Yeah. but, it's but an but adaptation not, of it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure somebody sat there and went, I could make bucks out of this laser grid that I use for ghost hunting and just shine it on the wall of the house. But nonetheless. I find it incredibly distracting when you're looking at because we have one on our house at Christmas and I know what the front of our house looks like. I know where the garage is to the side and the the pathway. And when it's when you've got this myriad of laser dots projected all across it, it makes it incredibly difficult for you to judge perspective, scale and distance with the eye. And you know, I, I I know that there's a waste bin there. I know that there's a that that the car is there, but right. they become much harder to see when there's a when the laser dots are being projected, because this sort of pattern, uh, this uniform pattern of dots, destroys your any sense of scale and perspective. Right. It's, so it's the same like, I think it's know, actually probably a negative thing to use on a ghost investigation. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is is we did an experiment, one of the spur courses, where uh, Keith Johnson, who, who will be back uh, this year, uh, had the uh, haunted iguana he gave me. And we, uh, we, I did an experiment where I had people stare at this iguana. And uh, we had many reports of uh, movement of this iguana, even though it was made out of a solid piece of wood. Mm-hmm. I... And it's something we see even even at uh, seances today and ghost investigations today, where you will get people who are convinced that an object um, is moving, that they can see it moving, and that they will convince other people, and then they can see it too. But when you actually study the video footage um, and play it back, there is absolutely zero movement at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can see. And I've stood out in our in the garden. And I've stared at a light in the sky. And in fact, it was a couple of years ago, I remember doing it and thinking, what a dumbass. Uh, I was looking at a light in the sky, thinking it was an aeroplane moving. And I stood there thinking it must be coming towards me and it you know, be tracking across the sky. Um, and that's why the relative motion to me was so slight. Yeah. 
And after 20 minutes, because I just got lost in, you know, sort of time, after 20 minutes, I realized that it wasn't moving at all, and I was staring at Venus. Right, and and, and the flat Earth, you know, that's all yeah, spun but, around but, us on, yeah. on a little thing, you know, so... Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 who, you know, should know better, it's easy for the mind to trick to trick you into a situation of thinking that things aren't necessarily as they, they are in reality, that things are moving when they're not, that things aren't moving when, in fact, they are. I've seen that effect take place as well during investigations where people are convinced that nothing is moving when, in fact, it clearly is. Um, where things are moving in a completely different way than people are describing. Where, and I'm sure you've actually seen this. Um, it's an effect that's an optical illusion that you can actually do at home, where the light, where um, you can, a light that's swinging to and fro in a ceiling or a pendulum can appear to be swinging left, right, or in a circular fashion or clockwise when it's actually going anti-clockwise, etc., right. etc. Et so, so anyways, we are running out of time, so we've got to yes, wrap it up. Are. Yes, uh, tickets for uh, Spirit Course are available now. Get the early bird, save $25 on it, and uh, you can go to anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Steve, thanks for uh, carrying on in the beginning. of the. Once again, I'm sitting in my haunted office, so who the hell knows what happens. Uh, but, it's an iguana. Uh, it could be. The iguana's looking at me right now, and I, I swear it just moved. There you go. Say hi to the iguana. Yeah, I will. I should apologize for the rocky start to the show because I was uh, distracted <laughs> by Skype as well and a bit thrown in at the deep end. You forget we have producers. Anyway. Yeah, it wasn't as slick as it should have been. No, not at all. Not even close. <laughs> all right. Till next time. Good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good law.